female folk singer is dead after she was attacked by a pair of coyotes. What is the monkey doing? Tell me what's going on. He ripped her face off! We actually have a trainer in the water with one of our whales. If I show weakness, if I retreat, I may be hurt, I may be killed. Baby Azaria Chamberlain was taken by a dingo back in 1980. Добро пожаловать обратно к пожирателям мужчин. Единственный настоящий криминальный подкаст в интернете, где все убийцы настоящие животные. That was Russian for hello. Welcome back to Man It is the only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals. Isn't Russian such a beautiful language? I had no idea that the Russian for true crime podcast was a criminal podcast. I can't do a Russian accent or Russian pronunciations, which is going to come in handy today because today we are talking about a attack, a series of attacks uh, that happened in Russia during and just after World War II. So there are a lot of Russian place names, Russian people names, and you, my fine people, get to listen to me absolutely obliterate um, the pronunciation of those Russian words. Uh, I'm re-recording this um, introduction because I made a very off-color joke about how Russians are used to being obliterated, and I found that it was just not okay. It wasn't all right, but now I'm re-recording it and mentioning it again because I want to be accountable, and I want to apologize <laughs> for something that I, pr- I probably could have just kept that one to myself, hey. A- anyway, moving on. Um, uh, you may have noticed that this is our first episode in, like, a month, and uh, that's because that's exactly what it is. It's the first episode in about a month. I'm sorry, I got really busy with my theatre work and also been quite sick. I don't know if you can tell from the nasally quality of my voice right now, um, because it's usually quite nasally anyway, Um, but I am getting a cold or a flu, something. I don't know. I've never had this before. I feel fine. Then I go to bed and then at like 2am I wake up and I feel like I'm going to vomit. And then there's just like a vomity taste in my throat for the rest of the night. If, if there's any doctors out there who are listening, feel free at maniditispodcast.gmail.com. Tell me what's going on with me. Am I dying? I don't, this isn't how I want to go out. I want to go out, um, being eaten by a panda. That would make the news for sure. Anyway, speaking of the news, coming up later on, we have our Scratch of the Day segment, but before that, we are going to talk about the Kirov wolf attacks, as well as a little mini-episode within this episode, uh, the the Tukov, I think, I believe it's Tukov, I can't remember the pronunciation, a similar wolf attack that happened in Finland. Uh, so, yes, as mentioned, lots of Russian pronunciation, apologies ahead of time, because I'm not going to get it all right, uh, but here we go, strap into your time machines as we travel back to the Soviet Union uh, in the mid-1940s to the 1950s. This is the story of the Kirov Wolf Attacks. In Russia, predation on humans by grey wolves has been an ongoing problem for quite some time. In recent years, for example, there have been truly terrifying instances of this happening, including an attack on an entire family in which a wolf was responsible for all deaths. However, Nothing that has happened in recent times can compare to the horrific story of a small village in Russia that was subjected to an onslaught of terrifying wolf attacks that have consumed humans over the course of nine years. The attacks occurred between 1944 and 1954 in nine districts of the Kirov Oblast, which is located in the Russian Soviet Federative Socialist Republic. 
As a direct result of the attacks, 22 children and teenagers between the ages of 3 and 17 were killed. The months of April through December, when wolves are typically cubbing, or caring for their young, were the times that all of the attacks took place. During World War II, the conscription of Kirov hunters into the Red Army and the requisition of firearms from villages led to an increase in the number of wolves in the Kirov Oblast, as well as much more brazen behaviour towards humans. This coincided with an increase in the number of wolves in the region. During the time of the war, wolves were common in all areas of the Kirov Oblast that were inhabited by humans, including outskirts of the village. The number of cattle and dogs in Kirov, which the wolves in the area typically fed upon, decreased significantly while the war was going on. Sightings of wolves in the city's streets became increasingly common, and it was determined that there were 200 wolf packs living in the surrounding forests. There had been reports of wolves sleeping in parks during the day, and it appears that they had no more fear of humans than stray dogs that lived in the area. The first attack was on a child who was 18 months old at the time. This child was kidnapped by a wolf in the area surrounding Burnikovsky settlement in late September 1944. The child was carried towards a forest before being rescued by local villagers. A few days later in another neighbourhood, known as the Giant, a pair of wolves sneaked up on a girl who was watching a horse in a meadow and attacked her, biting her and ripping her clothes. Valentina Starakova, aged 13, was kidnapped by a wolf on September 21st in the village of Goldodev Shaina. That was not... Let me try that again. Goldodev Shaina. Goldodev Shaina, Russia. While she was watching another wolf attack a calf on the opposite side of a riverbank. Starakova was standing near a riverbank at the time of her abduction. A portion of her leg was discovered in the woods not too far away for a few hours later. Following these instances, wolves began systematically pursuing children. These were the attacks as followed. An eight-year-old girl was mauled and devoured by wolves on November 6 in the Alexandrokov neighborhood Kolholtz known as the New Village. The attack occurred during daytime hours. Two days later, at 11am, a postwoman by the age of Tamara Musknova, who was only 14 years old, was fatally attacked by nine wolves. Maria Polakova, who was only 16 years at the time of her death, was killed by wolves on November 19 as she and her sister were walking through a forest clearing on their way to work. Beginning in the spring of 1945, there were a fresh wave of assaults that were more brazen and took place in greater numbers of Kirov's communities. On April 29th, in the village district of Golodeya Shishina, located in Rodakovsky district, a 17-year-old girl named Maria Berdnikova was attacked on a field that was approximately 50 metres away from the stables by a wolf that was concealed by dense vegetation. After the girl's cries drew a crowd's attention, the wolf repeatedly picked her up, scaled a wattle fence that was one metre high, and carried her for a distance of 200 metres before releasing her. The wolf disregarded the cries of the villagers and their threats as it followed the groups of villagers as they made their way out, of the way out of the village carrying the girl. During the course of that day, the wolf made multiple incursions into the settlement, and the following day it kidnapped a lamb. G.P. Kaminsky, who was the official who conducted the investigation into the incident, he hypothesized that the wolf's bold behavior could mostly be explained by a total absence of hunters or rifles in the village, as arm bearers and firearms had been called to the Eastern Front to fight the Nazis. Volodya Gorev, who was seven years old at the time, was attacked by a wolf on May 1st. 
The wolf grabbed him around the throat and carried him towards a forest. He was finally freed after a villager shot at the wolf, and he was able to survive his ordeal because he'd worn a thick scarf to protect his neck. Later on, a young girl named Prima Molachnova, who was only five years old at the time, was attacked by a wolf while she and a friend were washing their rubber boots by a river. The body of the girl was found by a rescue team 500 meters away from the riverbanks. She had a bite mark on her neck, and one of her legs was partially consumed. Between the years of 1946 and 1950, wolf attacks had developed into a significant issue in a number of the districts that made up the Kirov Oblast. These districts included, and here we go, I apologize for the pronunciation, Daroskovy, Yeb and Shinsky, Sovetsky, Nolenski, Karturnitsky, and Orichevsky. Yeah, just Google those, I don't even know. In 1946, hunters in the Kirov Oblast were responsible for the unusually high harvest of 560 wolves, which were considered a high number. Kirov hunters, with the assistance of hunters from Moscow, were able to kill 1,520 wolves over the course of the subsequent three years. This was a task made more difficult by the near-non-existent transportation to rural settlements that existed in the immediate aftermath of World War II. During the months of August and September in 1947, wolves attacked a Rosonovo settlement and were responsible for the deaths of a young girl named a young girl and uh, Veni Formin Fokin, who was 13 years old. A young girl was also attacked by a wolf when she was threshing a floor. While, uh, sorry, where she, where she was threshing a floor when she was with several other girls. Anna Nikiva and her mother were working on a field treating linen. Treating linen. Oh, okay. Treating linen when they were attacked by two wolves in the vicinity of the Russian uh, village of Chernodivo in the... Oh, my God. These names. Russia, please. Although the mother was successful in defending herself with a sheath while she was attacked, her daughter was taken captive by the wolf. Anna was discovered with a cut to her throat and some of the flesh from her stomach eaten after a blood trail led to some dense juniper bushes where she'd been hiding. The attacks in this region came to an end when a specialized brigade of hunters was dispatched to deal with the wolves. In the summer of 1948, between the months of July and August, nine children aged 7 to 12 were found dead. Svetlana Tuva, then aged 8 years old, was being carried one kilometer into a forest by five wolves on November 17, 1948, in the Nolinsky district. She was on her way home from school with two other girls and a man at the time. The man climbed up a tree to get away, while the other girls ran back towards the school as fast as they could. Following a search of the forest, Svetlana's coat was located in its final resting place. In the summer months of 1950, the Lebensky uh, district was the scene of the murders of three young girls and a boy, all of whom were between the ages of three and six. In the month of December in 1947, a large adult male wolf made his home in the region surrounding Kirov Suna Station for the entire duration of the month. During the early morning and evening and late evening hours, it prowled around the villages, capturing dogs and attacking people who were walking alone on the roads. This wolf was eventually put down after inflicting injuries on 13 people and taking the lives of a woman and a teenager. When it was killed, the wolf's length was measured at 138 centimeters, but it was noticeably underweight. 
Within its digestive tract, researchers discovered a clump of woman's hair. By 1951, the majority of Kirov districts had been cleared of man-eating wolves, but Orishkivsky continued to be at risk. A young girl of 10 years of age was killed on April 29th, 1951, within that district in the community of Taratskova, where she was doing her chores in a nearby stream or river. Later on, a pack of wolves would frequently chase after children as they foraged for berries and mushrooms in the woods, and uh, the woods that surrounded the settlements of Chalgorsky, Smirnovsky, and Shabolinsky. After being assaulted in the community of Vunturo, v- uh, v- Turino on, on June 12, 1952, 11-year-old Zoe Fortuna and 15-year-old Lydia Fortuna were taken to the hospital for treatment. A wolf kidnapped and attacked a young boy named Vitili Ishniku, uh, Ishutin, Vitili Ishutin, who was only five years old at the time, and took him into the nearby forest on July 11th the same year. In the same month, an eight-year-old girl was attacked by a wolf in the village of Kolshki and received a large bite on her neck. Another young girl, who was only six years old at the time, was kidnapped by a wolf on August 12th while she and several other children were picking berries in the forest. A herder, who was 13 years old at the time, was abducted by wolves at nine in the morning on August 17th, but he was saved by people who were working the land. The region's hunters speculated that the animal in question was an elderly female. On August 16th, 1952, a young boy of 12 years old was rescued from a large female wolf who was accompanied by three young cubs. A young girl was assaulted in the spring of 1953 while she was out working, walking through the woods with her grandmother. After the killing of an elderly and nearly toothless female wolf in the vicinity of the village at the end of the month of May, the attacks in Orenshivskis came to a close. Sasha Greyev, then 12 years old, was attacked by a wolf in a playground in the village of Skurgetsky in Bilsky district on June 17, 1953, around noon. The wolf dragged him for approximately 300 metres before he was able to grab hold of a branch, free himself from the wolf's jaws, and make his way back to his home. One rabies attack against the three people was recorded in the spring of 1954 in the or Uzhomsky district in the Kirov Oblast, but this was the last recorded incident of a wolf attack in the Kirov Oblast that was not caused by a rabid wolf. This was the final attack in the Kirov Wolf saga, but while I'm at it, I really quickly want to talk about a similar incident that occurred in Finland in the 1800s. The wolves of Turku were a pack of three cannibalistic wolves that were responsible for the deaths of 22 children in the city of Turku, Finland in the years 1800 in the years 1880 and 1881. The victims of these wolves had an average age of 5.9 years when they were killed. These animal crimes caused such concern that the local and national governments intervened, calling for assistance from hunters in Russia and Lithuania, in addition to the armed forces. On November 18, 1881, the wolves were responsible for the death of their final victim. The attacks came to an end when, on July 12, 1982, an elderly female wolf was killed by being shot, and then, 12 days later, an adult male wolf was poisoned. One of the dead wolves was taken to a hunting museum in oh, Rick Monkey, which was, which was the other place, sorry, and the other was placed in St. Olaf's School, both of which are places they can be seen to this day. The third wolf was used as a doormat, and then it vanished altogether. 
Recent years have seen a discussion among some Finnish conservationists, notably Pussy. <laughs> Pusse, Pusset. <laughs> I said his name was Pussy. Regarding the veracity of the events that are portrayed. Although he states there is no direct evidence that the wolves were previously captive animals, like the wolves that led, uh, sorry, that the wolves were in Jisinji, he indicated the possibility that could not be ruled out. The wolf that was in Jisinji was held captive. In addition to that, he mentioned that the woman had bad teeth. That the woman, the wolf had bad teeth. Eriki Pulmini, the leading wolf specialist of the wolf specialist group of the IUCN, stated that the historical information was very unreliable. And on October 27, 2005, he told the newspaper Demori that the one that one Tuko wolf was actually a wolf dog hybrid. This information was published in the newspaper. After having their remains examined by both hunting museums at St. Olaf's School, Eric Grunsku wrote that an article confirming that wrote an article confirming that they had been positively identified as the wolves. There you go. I hope you were able to stick with me there through some of those pronunciations. I, oh god, I, brought, I dropped my glasses. I do apologize um, for for the bad pronunciations. I probably could have spent a little bit more time um, learning those pronunciations. But to be completely honest, Russia, if you wanted me to be able to pronounce your words, you wouldn't have had sixteen V's and four Y's and just a total of of sixty four letters in each place name. You've got to be kidding me. In Australia, our place names are like Georgetown or Curry Curry, or Woi Woi. Those are easy for me to remember, because I'm a simple man. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed that story. The Kirov wolf attacks and the Turku wolf attacks. Um, it's interesting to me that they uh, they became so prolific as a result of World War II. It's always fascinating when these world events impact the, uh, the natural world, and then the natural world literally bites us back. Um, we see it so many times where these animal attack stories are interwoven into world history, and this is a really great example of that. If it hadn't been for World War II, or any war, I guess, going on in that area, um, the conscription of soldiers into the Red Army, as well as the requisition of firearms from all the villages to help arm the Red Army against the Nazis, um, these wolves probably wouldn't have uh, grown into such brazen behavior, and they wouldn't have had such high numbers as well. So there are definitely 22 people, um, I believe it was 22 people in, in Russia, who may have lived longer lives um, if it hadn't been for that. However, if the Red Army wasn't fighting on the Eastern Front, it's very possible that those people would have died in other circumstances. Anywho, we're going to move on now, um, because I don't know if you can tell from the lack of energy in my voice, I'm fading and I need a nap. We're going to move on to the scratch of the day, which is one of my favorite segments of the show. Um, a scratch of the day. I go through news articles uh, that have been sent through to me that I've researched myself and find out uh, what's been happening in the news lately uh, in regards to animal attacks. So we have three very interesting stories today. Um, our first scratch of the day story, LaFleur County boy life flighted to hospital after animal attack. I believe life flight is just like airlifted to hospital. Um, a very fancy way of saying that. Here is the story. A seven-year-old was flighted. I'm going to say airlifted because it's a better expression. A seven-year-old was airlifted to a, to a Tulsa hospital on Monday after his family found him in the yard near their home in Worcester. He was severely wounded from an animal attack. Christopher Downey arrived at the St. Francis Hospital in critical condition on Monday evening. He was put on a ventilator. According to the LaFleur County EMS director, there were lacerations all over his body and extensive injuries to his neck in particular. 
Downey's mother, Audrey Downey, told the news her son is off a ventilator as of Wednesday, but still has a trichostomy to keep his airways open due to swelling. Downey said that doctors might send him home with a feeding tube within the next couple weeks. Quote, We are managing all the lacerations over his body, Downey said. Right now he can lip talk, but his vocal cords aren't there. Like he can't hear, we can't hear him talk. He's able to point to a letter and spell out a word. Christopher was visiting his grandmother's house near Worcester at the time of the attack, his mum said. He was on a routine walk with her three dogs in the yard, which is near the woods. He wanted to go explore, and I guess he went a little bit too far from the house, Downey said. And then the dogs came back up to the house and Christopher wasn't with them. That's when she said her brother-in-law found him in the yard, critically injured. His family called 911 and met medical choppers at the nearby baseball fields. There were bites all down and scratches all over his body, so at first we thought it must have been the dogs. Then they thought maybe it was a mountain lion and possibly a bear. The three dogs in question are eight-month-old poodles and German shepherd mixes. Downey said Christopher had been around those dogs since they were eight years old. She said that he visits his grandmother's house and then typically sleeps with them. This leads to the question if some other animal attacked her son, she said. Did he get attacked by the dogs or the dogs trying to save them? Or was it really the dogs, Downey said. I want to ask him all these questions, but I don't want him to get upset. The dogs are currently being held in Porto Police Department Animal Services. Jim Craig with LaFleur County said that they have to wait until Christopher can tell them whether or not it was those dogs that attacked him before they can decide to do what next. Downey said she has to take at least a month off work. Players from Worcester baseball team are collecting monetary donations for the family. One player's father told the news that it's because they had to end their practice on early Monday so the, ho- so the helicopter could land in the fields. The team heard what happened and decided they wanted to help. Audrey Downey's co-worker has set up a GoFundMe to help support medical costs. I've never had so much support, especially being in a new town and not knowing half the people that are here. The community has been very supportive and I can't thank them enough. I'm going to make sure I link to whatever GoFundMe they have in the uh, caption of this podcast. Okay, story number two, and this is more of a follow-up pup to a a story that we covered, I believe, in the last episode, or a very similar episode, uh, a very recent episode. If you remember, a monkey attacked uh, a family on a balcony or a rooftop, I can't remember which order it was, and they actually threw the baby off the roof, killing it. Um, so the, the headline here is, Hunt for wild monkeys ramps up after aggressive animal attacks 18 people in the last 10 days. The hunt is on for an aggressive monkey which has attacked 18 people, including a baby, in the last 10 days. Police in Japan are stepping up their search for the wild animal after it broke into homes and schools across Yamaguchi City. The Japanese macaque attacked and scratched a four-year-old toddler on a first-floor flat after sliding open the fly screen door on July 8. I was vacuuming when I heard my child crying, so I turned around and saw the monkey had grabbed her by the legs while she was playing on the floor, a local mother told media. It looked like it was trying to drag her outside, she added. The monkey, thought to be about 40 to 50 centimetres tall, caused the girl minor injuries before attacking other people nearby, the news agency reports. The monkey also invaded a local kindergarten classroom and scratched a four-year-old girl. Officers are said to be on high alert and have set traps to catch the animal. Residents have been warned not to leave their windows open and flyers have been handed out telling people to be on the lookout for the monkeys. The animal was still on the loose on Tuesday with public broadcaster NKH, sorry, NHK reporting around 40 monkey sightings in the area since May. Several wild species have forced people in Japan to be more cautious in recent years, which have brought bear sightings and attacks. So we're going to talk now about um, 
uh, a follow-up up to our uh, Sankei Betsu Brown Bear episode. Uh, the number of incidents has been linked to a shortage of acorns in the bear's natural habitat, causing them to wander into populated areas in search of food. Abandoned farmland that was once natural boundary between the habitats is also a challenge in depopulated rural areas. Wild boar have also been problematic, including an incident in Hiroshima Park last year. The animals injured six people before they were shot dead. Last year, the northern island of Hokkaido saw 381 more sightings in the previous year, totaling 2,197. Um, that island of Hokkaido is where the brown bear attacked um, all those years ago. And that's what the article says here. The island is also home to a bear-themed amusement park, which has a monument to a nine-foot-tall bear that killed seven people. It pays homage to the huge, uh, towering brown bear that attacked the region more than a century ago. The Sankei-Betsu brown bear destroyed houses and killed seven villages in the five-day ordeal. Now a reconstruction of the attack is open to visitors to inform and warn them of tragedy. So this is a separate article to one that I read a few episodes ago. Um... It's interesting that they, they follow the same um, structure of talking about the monkey attack, but then also the bear the bear and the boars. Um, so I don't know if this is a news article that was copied from a Japanese story or not, um, but the monkey attack is, is the one that we're quite interested in. Um, a couple months ago, yeah, a monkey did throw a, a child off a balcony. It is lucky that this small girl that the monkey attacked um, didn't meet the same fate as well. Um, our final story in the Scratch of the Day segment, you might have seen this on TikTok, uh, is from my home country of Australia. Koala attacks woman in Australia. The internet is in utter disbelief. One woman assumed koalas to be too cute and then got herself in trouble. Now, you might be thinking, what did she do? Nothing much. She just tried to be a little too close to a koala bear. The clip from Queensland, Australia was shared on TikTok by an onlooker. The man captured a woman standing next to a koala on a highway. The onlooker is heard saying, this bitch trying to fuck... God, here we go. The onlooker is heard saying, this bitch trying to talk to a fucking koala. It's about to fuck her day up and I'm about it. <laughs> That's the most Australian thing I've heard all day. In the clip, the little creature is seen lunging at the woman about three times, prompting her to fall on the busy highway road. However, the koala does not walk away after the woman's fall. The koala bear goes on to attack the woman on the ground. The internet was shocked by the video. They did not expect the little animal to attack a human. Others talked about how koalas are assumed to be non-dangerous. People have no idea how dangerous they are, wrote one person. Another asked, how did she think it was a pretty boy from the outbook? Oh, another asked, did she think it was a pretty boy from the outback? <coughs> Excuse me. While many sympathized with the woman, others decided to make it some hilarious comparisons and jokes. When Americans come to Australia, one, wrote, one user wrote, another stated, she saw Blinky Bill and wanted his autograph. Well, can't blame the woman entirely. Who wouldn't want to approach the cute animal? Meanwhile, as per A to Z animals in Australia, koalas are territorial animals that can be quite unpredictable. When threatened, these marsupials have the ability to become extremely vicious. Beware of koalas. Um, that is surely the first time we've talked about koalas on this show. Um, but yeah, they are not... Um, if you've ever seen a koala's hands, like their claws, they, um, they use those to climb trees. I would not want to get... Uh, anywhere close to a koala in, in the in the wild. I've held a koala at a zoo, and they're quite cute, even though they all have, like, syphilis or herpes or something. Um, but good news for me is that you can't get syphilis or herpes from a, from a koala. Um, bad news for the koala, it actually got herpes from me. Um, th that's his own fault. He asked for a kiss, and he didn't, you know, do a proper background check on me. 
Anyway, that's the end of this episode. Um, I am going to go and pass out before I edit this. I'm feeling incredibly unwell. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the support over the last month. I appreciate you sticking around and listening to the old episodes. Um, while I'm on little breaks like this, I'm going to try and get back to recording more regularly. Um, but I do have a lot of things coming up. Um, speaking of which, I'm just going to do a quick plug. I have a show opening next weekend in Newcastle called She Kills Monsters. Um, I'm directing that one. And then uh, about a month later, in at the end of September, I have a show called Annis, which I'm directing and acting in, um, which is at the Civic Theatre as well. You can get tickets to those on my Instagram at Jimothy Chaps. Um, thank you for listening. Next week we're going to, or next episode, I should say, no promises for next week. Next episode is going to be our first Man Eater Movies episode. I watched The Grey with my girlfriend a couple days ago, um, so I'm going to be reviewing slash talking about The Grey. Um, very appropriate to be doing that after recording an episode about Grey Wolves. Anyway, have a great week um, or time. I don't know when I'll see you next or you'll hear me next, but we'll figure it out. Have a great day. Make sure you look after yourself because as we've learned today, it's a real jungle out there. (laughs) 